Hey guys, welcome back to the Legendary Podcast. We are back with episode number three. I'm sitting here in my living room in Tokyo, Japan. Sam is on an island somewhere deep in the South Pacific. Sam, uh, it's good to hear you again, man. Hey, thanks. I'm glad to be heard. But man, I am pumped about this episode. I can't wait for people to hear this one. I know they're going to so be blessed. Good. I've gotten so much from it, just uh, even in working on the edit and everything. Um, our last episode, Redefining Accountability, thanks for all of the comments we've received. And we hope that it, it got your wheels turning about your own accountability relationships. And man, it was, it was really great to talk about. It's going to be an ongoing topic, I think, that we're going to cover from many different angles. And uh, so I look forward to more conversation about it. Absolutely. But we had legendary, one of our legendary founding members, Jeff Hartensfeld on the podcast talking about a subject I think uh, that's really important and close to to our hearts, which is leadership. Yes, yes. And I know that uh, there are so many takeaways from this podcast. You're going to want to get a notepad out. I know Jonathan kind of suggested some ideas. You know, you can be running while you're listening to your podcast. You can be riding a bike while you're listening to be podcast. You can fall off your moped. This is one where you want to sit at your desk and you want to take notes because Jeff dropped some gold nuggets, if I can say that. Are you saying that I can't run <laughs> or drive while also taking notes about the podcast? Uh, I, I'm i making a uh, recommendation. I'm running right now as we're recording this intro. I know. I can tell I by you your... That, no, but... I can tell by your breathing. You're probably running down the streets of Tokyo uh, while holding a bowl of rice and trying to climb up an escalator using stilts. I'm deep into a workout right now oh. and I could feel the burn. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Hey guys, thanks so much for, for joining the podcast. And uh, Sam and I are so excited that you're here with us and we hope that you enjoy this episode number three with legendary Jeff Hartensfeld. I was I was kind of thinking about this week and you know T19 I think was obviously historic and Sam and I were both there we were you know we really enjoyed it I think God did some things certainly in us especially during that that extended altar yeah. time that we had that second morning the, the morning the second morning right yeah. yeah yeah I said that was a highlight for sure absolutely incredible time well you know Jonathan you talk about Japan and there's countries all over Asia Pacific I think that are in a similar situation. And, you know, you talked about some of the inspiration and recommitment we made at T19. And I think what happens, even if it's in Tana or if it's in Japan, you know, we've got to look at the spiritual condition of the places where we are, and something has to rise up inside of us mm. that says, we're not going to stand for this. That's right. My, That's right. It's my time. It's it's our generation. And 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 it and it almost doesn't matter what happened before, right? We got to set that stuff aside. And some of it was good work, right? Like I don't want right. to like say the past was all bad. There was good work done, but we got to stop thinking about the past and say what lies ahead. And something you know, all the big things that happened in the Bible were about people, whether it was a man or a woman, mm -hmm. who looked at their circumstances 
and something rose up inside of them and said, not on my watch. Right. And with the Lord's help, I'm going to change the destiny of what's going to happen here. Yeah. That's really kind of what needs to even happen here in Japan. Something's got to rise up inside of people and say, okay, we're going to do something about it. I feel like there is a momentum of joining together like there wasn't even within the last few years. Like this attitude of, hey, what what has happened has been amazing, but looking forward, we can't do this individually. We've got to do, we've got to be on the same page together and moving forward towards whatever God is leading us to. And Jonathan, if I can add something to that, I think that attitude is pervasive across the board in Asia Pacific right now. We're all realizing that the next stage requires that we work together. The next stage means we're going to come together and our strengths are somebody else's weaknesses and we are going to accomplish what God's called us to do much faster as we come together and work together. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it has to go beyond, you know, I think the good place to start is within our own AP, you know, HWM US missionary family. But then we do have these host churches that we work with that, you know, when you look at the, the depth and the scope of the unfinished task in the countries where we serve, we're, we're out of our minds if we think 350 or 500 Americans, yeah. you know, so we have to look at our roles. We're playing a part, but as we then go deeper in our, in our teamwork and relational, you know, uh, let's say relational quotient, you know, as we're developing that with our host church, that's when we're going to see yeah. some exponential things happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and that's why, you know, in the never reached uh, group, we said one of the commitments we made was we're never, we're not going to go alone anymore. Right. We're always going to be bringing people with us yes. and the things that we do because if we're not doing that then we're not going to be building you know team for the long term right it's it's that propagating mindset that whatever i'm building now for the kingdom i don't want to feel like the moment i leave the field that that doesn't continue right that it doesn't that it isn't perpetuated um somehow i've got to be working as a mission i've got to be thinking constantly even if it's my first term, where is God taking whatever he's put on my heart? And how, how am I going to be moving forward, looking at bringing others that are going to help perpetuate uh, what God is beginning in me? Yeah. You know, this is really a a good discussion. And I, uh, it's almost like this could be its own podcast. You know, we're not even talking about the stuff we, what I I got on my paper. Yeah. Yeah. But for sure. But I want to say that, and and I'm you know 30 years in, so long, but not as long as some others. Mm-hmm. I, I think some of the people that are up in my range and older would agree with this, and it's that I've seen million dollar ministries collapse when the missionary leaves because there was no investment in people, sure. in leadership development. We'll call it sure. The the investment was in infrastructure and ministry. Yeah. But it wasn't in necessarily people and people development, right. and 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 so all of a sudden you got all this American money there, but no real, uh, let's say, heart investment from the, the the host people on the ground. And the minute yeah. that money is gone, that thing will collapse. Right. Yeah. So leaving people behind is better than even leaving buildings behind. And I know we need buildings, and I 
built right. them over the years. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's that investment in teamwork and people on the team is yeah. going to pay those long-term dividends. It's tragic, and and how as an organization can we approach that? Not just individually as missionaries, but that it's built into from the from the top like down DNA. Yeah, the DNA. So as the missionaries go through their process of oh, here's what it means to be a missionary. Here's what you can expect. Also, here's a part of our DNA. Think about whatever that you want to do and how it's going to continue past you. Yeah. Right. Sam, I think you were going to say something, though, because it's like Sam is out on Mars and me and you are here in the same room, so you got to be careful here, <laughs> Sam. We got to we got to let Sam we got to let Sam speak before the villagers' arms get tired from holding the wires together. Uh, no, I I was actually just really enjoying. I, I felt like I was actually sitting in an air conditioned office with you guys, enjoying that comfort as I'm looking at you. But I want to pause real quick and just recognize how exciting this is. This is our first legendary podcast where we have a guest. Yeah. And our guest, as everyone has figured out at this point, is Jeff. And Jeff, you've been you've been uh, a major encouragement. You've been a major major source of inspiration. You've been a major proponent behind what we're doing here. And Jonathan and I just want to say, first of all, thank you. But how excited we are that you're linking arms with us on this venture and that we're working together. And I know this podcast, this one's going to be a very focused one as far as topic. And I'm I, I've already heard some of the things you're going to share and. I'm really excited. I know that uh, after you gave some of the points of this talk on another um, another meeting I was involved in, it actually started a new journey for myself and refreshed hmm. uh, some some things in myself and remotivated myself since that time. So I'm really excited. I know people are going to get a lot out of this, and uh, I just want to say thank you for being with us. This is exciting. Well, I've been listening to the podcast that you guys have been doing, and. You know, I just think it's great that we're starting these conversations, because this is really what the three of us are doing today, is we're having a conversation, and yet I think we realize that around us are the other men of AP. And so, you know, they're going to be a part of this conversation, and, you know, even maybe talking to themselves as they listen to the podcast going, (laughs) I think that's great. Or, you know, hey, maybe some of the guys should listen to the podcast as a group, too, and start their own conversation. So absolutely. Yeah. If you haven't recognized the soothing tones that are coming into your ears right now, we've got Jeff Hartensfeld, our our fearless leader here uh, <laughs> with us. And and for sure, Sam and I, you know, we immediately felt like just to have you come and knew that leadership was going to be our topic. And so uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Last time we talked about accountability, which was a lot of the foundation of of where this journey began for Sam and I. But today as our regional director, this is not only an opportunity to talk about what God has built in you in the past for what you're doing now, because God is always building something in us in the present for what he's going to do through us in the future. So this isn't just an opportunity to do that, but it's also an opportunity for you as our leader to sharpen to sharpen us and for us to yeah. be all on the same page about how we view leadership. Uh, from the top down. And I think that's so important. Yeah. You know, I, I guess just to even as we start talking about leadership here, I guess what I liked about when the two of you approached me on this is, you know, when I pastored for years, people would come up to me and say, hey, Pastor Jeff, let's start, you know, let's start a prison ministry. And I'm like, 
great idea. When are you going to start that? You know, they'd be like, no, we, we actually meant we want you to start it. You know, I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm, I'm too busy for that, right. you know, right now. It's not that I don't think prison ministry is a great thing, but, right. you know, look, if it's on your heart to do, right. then, then let's, then I'll get behind it too. It's not that I'm against it, but yeah. so you guys have really done that in the sense that um, I'm, you know, I'm all in for what you're wanting to do with legendary. The area directors are all in, mm-hmm. and and so thankful that you guys have kind of, you know, charged in and are putting these podcasts together. And I know it's going to be a huge encouragement for the men of Asia Pacific. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. For me, one of the things that I, my first term that I was kind of hungry for was almost a leadership development track. I mean, I, I've I've always wanted to grow. I've always wanted to improve myself. And I remember the first time I heard this outside of, outside of just random leadership books I was reading, but the first time I heard this, you share this, Jeff, it really put things in perspective for me where I felt like I, I almost had a tangible first step in that leadership growth. So I'm, I'm excited because I, I really feel like there's a lot of people that uh, they get out on the field and they feel like isolated from all these things. And they think, man, just life, just ministry and everything just takes so much time. I'm not growing. I'm not moving forward in this leadership area. I'm just trying to stay right. afloat in my ministry. And this, I really think this is going to be a lifeline and encouragement in that area because it has been to me. Sure. So where did this leadership journey, where did this start for you? And that's, you know, Jonathan, really where I wanted to, even as we begin this discussion today in the podcast, was just, you know, before I get into some points, and I'm kind of like a points guy, you know, I got these three <laughs> things, you know, yeah. but, but, you know, really, I guess it all started for me when I was just tired of who I was. Uh. And, and I just said, you know, I, I need to be better. Mm. I can be better. So, you know, leadership is... I want to say developed and intentional. Mm. And this isn't a point. This is like just an introductory statement that leadership is developed and intentional. And you know, throughout the years I've heard people say, well, you're you're a born leader. You're you're naturally. And and I think there is some some natural parts to being a leader. I I don't know if I would categorize myself as a natural leader, but but I would say that um I determined that I could be a better leader. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just going to happen by some accident or by me claiming some post or being elected to some post. So, right. so I do want to let everybody know that I was a leader before I became the regional director of Asia Pacific. Yeah, right. I was in leadership positions, we'll call it, but my my leadership was who I was as a person, and and I want you to know that that developed over time. Mm-hmm. So part of that development was where, um, you know, we served in Indonesia where, you know, getting a visa and keeping a visa sometimes was, you know, tenuous at best. And so at one point we found ourselves without a visa of any kind and a local company approached me and knew me and my wife and said, hey, um, you know, your wife could help. We got this school going on over here. And then if you will give you, a, you, you know, your family a visa, if she'll help with the school and if you'll give us eight hours a week and develop the leaders in our company. Now, I guess they recognize some leadership in me, but I'm going, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So then, you know, I, it was like, I gotta, I gotta also pick up my game in this whole area of leadership. Yeah. And a lot of these people weren't like Christian pastors and things like that. Yeah. Now I was dealing with like managers, directors, and department heads of a company 
that were also Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, and you know other religions. Right. So uh, this was really, in some ways, the beginning of a, a leadership journey that was developed and intentional. So many of us have been thrust into leadership, whether or not we possess the initial qualities or the identifying markers of a leader. Right. All of a sudden, many missionaries, I think, are are placed in in those positions and learning it by fire. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if I heard you correctly, you were saying that the uh, this company in Indonesia actually asked you to teach leadership to them. And my question to you is, as you started this process, how were you not tapped out after like the first first three or four times where you went through, oh, these, this is my, these are my leadership main points that I want to teach? How did you make sure that you weren't tapped out after uh, just one or two sessions. Well, you know, it was it was a program that I developed for them, so it had a lot to do with setting up mentors and mentoring these. You know, it was a growing company, and then identifying who these next tier of leaders were. And so, you know, it's stuff we should be doing in the church all the time. But I think oftentimes in the church, we actually make it a practice of like suppressing <laughs> young leaders. <laughs> um, and I think we've seen that, you know, over yeah. time. Some, something I wanted to say to uh, to something that Jonathan brought up was, you know, we're thrust into leadership. Well, you know, when I first preparing to go to the field, you know, Liz and I were what was called missionary in training. I was very young. I was early 20s. And as a result of being like the youngest missionary, and this is back in a day where everybody wanted veterans, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I was the youngest guy around. And I used to say, you know, I'd go to district council and they would like duck into the bathroom to avoid seeing me, you know, <laughs> run into a stall and lock the door, you know, so I wouldn't ask for a service or something, you know. And then I, I take this, you know, a 32-hour plane journey to Indonesia, and and these Indonesian guys are asking me to speak at district councils, you know, wow. and, I'm like, and I'm going, what happened at 35,000 feet, you know? <laughs> well, actually, nothing happened. Yeah. But as a result of sometimes being this guest and being this this person that's come in in the roles that we're in we're yeah. thrust into situations where we may not necessarily be considered for those in other mm-hmm. settings mm-hmm. and 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 that's where you've got to be you know really set in your in, in your leadership and in your thinking to handle that kind of opportunity that's thrust upon you it's also interesting to me and i've seen some veteran missionaries that i respect and know that on the field they're not to to coin our term legendary they're legendary right <laughs> yeah. and and then they come home and the recognition because many of our churches many of our our pastors or leaders here haven't necessarily witnessed yeah that them in right, that setting right. in that environment and so it, it's kind of there's something a little tragic about it a little sad when you come home and yeah but this is like one of the areas of leadership you know leadership is this is who you are it's not really you know necessarily what other people it's your being i guess is what i want to say too so as you're home in the states and or a different place and people don't recognize who you are you've got to be able to be settled with that in your heart yeah. you know and this is a hard issue for a leader too yeah 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 is you know are you in leadership because of the respect you're getting or are you in it because of who you know you are as a leader Right. right. And the people right. who you have influence over and who you've led. I think you're absolutely right. So let's let's get back to you've gotten to Indonesia. You find yourself being 
pushed into a position of leadership that you probably feel completely unprepared for. Yeah. And so what's, what are you, I mean, cause I think we all can feel the fear that we often feel in those situations where we're like, okay, God, you, you got to make this happen for me. Yeah. Well, you know, I said in the beginning, leadership is developed and intentional. So I want to talk about like three developmental things that, you know, that how do we develop then as a leader? And, and the first one is that we are what I refer to as study developed. Hmm. And if you're not reading leadership books and leadership articles, I want to say that you're really not serious. Yeah. about being a leader, being a better leader. You know, you know I said, yeah. I just, I got tired of myself. I was like going, man, I, I've got to change. I've got to improve. So where do you start? Well, it is study developed. And so, you know, to your question, one of the things that I did as I was developing this, uh, we called it management development program because they were like managers and things. Mm-hmm. I got like everything that John Maxwell ever wrote. I, I was part of his Enjoy Life Club. <laughs> so <laughs> That's awesome. the Enjoy Life Club was uh, John Maxwell, and and this is going to date me a little bit, but yeah. he would make leadership cassettes. Yes. What? And and I'm you, sorry. What's a cassette? What is <laughs> not that, eight track? By the way, that, it's not eight track. <laughs> I believe Jonathan that that is some sort of archaic device that uh, involves buttons that are, you actually push in. And sound comes out. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, I've never heard of it. But <laughs> Well, so once a month in Indonesia, and this was like an arduous task. I'd have to go to the post office and pay like a customs fee. Mm-hmm. But, but John Maxwell sent me this cassette every month in like one of those little soft packets with a set of notes with blanks. And every month there was a leadership lesson. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously I'm dealing with non-Christians and his stuff was more Christian-based, but the principles on leadership he was teaching and the stuff I was reading in his books. And then I started reading, obviously, other people's you know, leadership stuff, I would say was probably one of the biggest course redirections I had in leadership. And this is what, you know, John Maxwell, the whole reason why he did this was because he believed that it could be study developed. Mm-hmm. Your leadership mm-hmm. skills could be, you had to start somewhere. And so I'm encouraging all the men of AP that at least once a year, and I know this doesn't seem like a lot, but you should be reading one book a month. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you should be reading at least one leadership book a year. Yeah, that's great. Even Sam right now, we're, we're reading uh, uh, Maxwell's new book. Leadership. Uh, was that, is that the one? Uh, well, that's, that, I, I that, think that's, that's his newest book. I haven't even got it with me. That's here. on our list, but we, we kind of went back to the basics and uh, we're reading Developing the Leadership Within You 2.0. Uh, and because he yes. he just read that, like so we've yeah, we've been going back book. through it. But Jeff, I okay, I want to I want to hit on something that you talked about, and you you stated this already. You talked about how leadership is not about respect, and and last time you even said this this is not about advancing in position. This is more about the development of character. And when I think we talk about leadership, there's there's two guys. There's two kinds of guys. There's guys that have this natural charisma. And that charisma can take them where mm-hmm. their character cannot sustain them, and that's that's a real issue. But then on the other right. on the other end of the spectrum, we've got these guys that when they hear the word leadership, they just think about those guys with that natural charisma. They don't think about the character side, and they say, you know, I, I leadership's not for me. I just want to do my thing, keep my head down. Uh, what would you say to kind of bring those two together? Well, 
I, I mean, there is the side of, of leadership. I, I used to say that, you know, if if you're leading and no one is following, you're basically lost, you know? Right, <laughs> right. If no one's following you. So, yeah. you know, leadership is, and of course, Maxwell, this was his big thing, is leadership is influence. Mm, yeah. So if you are casting influence over people's lives, you are leading them. And I would say that, you know, we should never really necessarily be striving for, you know, positions or right, right. Uh, roles or things like that. I mean, they, they fall to us is what I like to say, especially in the church. But I guess the balance is we should want to influence people. I, if people are like, well, I don't want to be in leadership, then I'm, I'm like, so you don't want to influence any people? Yeah. I, I can wow. see where you don't want to hold a position. Right. <laughs> You know, despite what people may think about my job, I, it wasn't necessarily something that you str- that I strove for. Right. Sure. But I like to say, well, it fell to us. Yeah. So you, um, you had written this in a newsletter, and I I brought it out to you about that we we can't microwave relationships, yeah. especially here on the field. And I was thinking about that leading into this podcast, even that it applies to leadership as well. I think sometimes people, and going back to that influence, gaining that influence, that's over time. Yeah, You, you win that influence over right. the consistency that you bring over a period of time. And on, so there's, there's people, I think, that come in that don't work to get that influence, like you're saying, whether you hold a position or not. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that come in and try to microwave that influence, you right. know, try to fast track it. And then they're trying to lead people through something that they haven't gained the, the required influence to bring people through. Right. And so I thought that was so excellent that you said, and that really, that to me applies to so many different things. And, and I think definitely leadership as well. Well, I think when leadership is microwaved like that, and let's say that someone is leading from that positional level of leadership, it can be very destructive. Because yeah. they're making commands not from the influence they have over people's lives, but from or for who they are in their character. But it's my position, and I can tell you to do this. Yeah, but it doesn't feel good. Right. Wow. Yeah. It may even be right, but it still doesn't feel good. Yeah. And so it's it's almost destructive. So even sometimes when we gain position and have the clout we need, delivering that clout even. It becomes very important. So even people listening to our podcast right now, I, I'm totally aware of the fact that the the, the men of, of Asia Pacific are all holding leadership roles in some capacity or not. Mm-hmm. It could be even within their own family, right? Um, you know, whatever ministry they're in, at the language school where they are, whatever it is. Yeah. So how are they, you know, steering and influencing people's lives? And if they do have a level of authority over somebody. How are they delivering that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the delivery sometimes is really important. Yeah, and I think uh, Jeff, this leads right into you talked about leadership is self development, and you actually identified three selves in that self development. Yeah, uh, and that was that was really helpful for me. Yeah. So the first thing is you know it's study developed, mm-hmm. and the second thing is that it's self developed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know when it comes to self development. There's a couple of selves that you know are important in leadership, and I I think if this if, if there's nothing else that you get out of this podcast, this is something you got to take away, and that is that 
you know, being self-developed, leadership is being self-aware. Yeah. Wow. I, you know, I get around so many people that I'm like, do you realize how you're coming off right now? <laughs> like, are, are you aware of, you know, what this looks like, right. feels like, right. sounds yeah. like? And it doesn't mean that I am, I'm perfect, you know, in these areas. And yet, boy, waking up in the morning and looking in the mirror and being self-aware of your weaknesses. Yeah. If, if you're, you know, if people listen to this podcast, if you think to yourself, I don't have any weaknesses, you know, I'm, I mean, so you better be able to develop, you better be able to, to identify. Yeah. You need to be self-aware of what areas of leadership that you're weak in. Yeah. And then what are you going to do to change that? Yeah. And, and that's really where it goes, you know, it, this is the self, I, under self-developed, I said self-aware, it's self-actuated. Mm. So what are my areas of weaknesses and what am I going to do mm-hmm. to change them? And this is important. That's so good. Definitely something that has really steered me for sure. The ability to self-analyze, not just to develop that ability in yourself to be able to sort of dispassionately step away from who you are and what you feel and look at yourself from the outside, but also to develop the practice of taking the time to do that. And of course, it, it could be taken to the point of nauseam, right? Right. Because there are some, and I would certainly identify as one of those, that, that there are times where I think Melissa just wants me to like, just <laughs> let it rest. Like right, right. you're fine, <laughs> like, like you're doing good. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so I'm so thankful that she's kind of the counterbalance to that part of me. But e- even though that it, it can bring some negative things on the whole, it's way more positive. The fact that I'm not just like sort of steamrolling through life, experiencing the failures that might come with making mistakes and never stopping to analyze what led to those mistakes well, and how can right. I change to, right. to not make that mistake again. And I think as, as missionaries, especially because we are to a large degree self-employed, you know, yeah, right. our regional directors, our area directors, our, 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 our field coordinators, whatever they, they're not standing over us every single day, making sure we're doing what we've said we're going to be doing. Right. So we're left largely up to our own devices, leading ourselves <laughs> yeah, first, yeah, right? That's right? Leading ourselves first. And so, so the ability to be able, uh, to, to look at yourself and, and to course correct as you navigate these these new territories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so under this thing of self-developed, it's self-aware, self-actuated, and then self-accountable. Mm. So self-accountable is where, you know, Jonathan, you said it's like you've probably made a, a wrong course decision, we'll call it, or, you know, made a mistake along the way. It is having the ability to apologize mm. and be humble about leadership mistakes. Yeah. And I find that a lot of leaders, if they do make a mistake, find it very difficult to apologize for the mistake they made, especially if the person is downline. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a huge part of leadership because if someone yeah. is not really contrite and really humble inside or broken over a, a leadership mistake or a way that they've led 
that hasn't been great, then they're never really going to improve. Mm-hmm. And so humility in this process of leadership is, uh, is really big. And I think sometimes we live in a world where, you know, the, the highest leader doesn't apologize, you know, <laughs> right. he doesn't make a mistake or right. he doesn't make a mistake. So, um, you know, this is the self-accountable. Or that it's viewed as a weakness. Or that it's, that's right. We think that's right. Wow, what a, yeah. what a, what a lie that yeah. we have bought into if, if we think that by admitting failure, we're, we're actually appearing weaker to those we're trying to, to lead and influence. It's literally the polar opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And yet it doesn't feel like that. Mm. So, you know, apologizing to your kids. So I know we've got like some young fathers out there. Yeah. You know, when I blew it with my kids, boy, you know, as much I wanted to, <laughs> Yeah. you know what I'm saying? It was in me to do it. But when it got to the moment, it was yeah. like, yeah, maybe I don't need to, you know? Uh, right. <laughs> do you know how many people are in my church? <laughs> right. We, man, we, we have to be careful not to buy into our own hype. That's right. Boy, boy, isn't that the truth? Does this mean we have to apologize to our wives as well? <laughs> we're not that's for a different uh, podcast that's a totally yeah. that's, that's totally different that's on the women's podcast I think, I think that's something that we jonathan will cut this out but that's like something we do daily already anyway just to keep the peace I, you know i think you're right i think you're right now we talked about we we talked about self-aware self-actuated and self-accountable but we kind of breezed over self self-actuated a little bit and i think we need to pause on that for just a second yeah. because Self-aware is the painful part where we're, you know, being honest with ourselves. And then we said, the next thing you said was self-actuated. And that's not some weird form of acupuncture or something. What is self-actuated? What are you talking about? Well, well, first of all, I needed three A's. So aware, (laughs) actuated, and accountable was how I went. But, you know, and it is a correct definition. But, you know, actuated means there's like an action that you're taking. You're actually doing something. Okay. So as you read through a book of John Maxwell or read an article on leadership, I, I think the question that you need to, to put to yourself as a leader is to say, so what specifically am I going to do hmm. that will change me at like, what things am I going to actually start doing now mm-hmm. to really see this take place? And if there's no action... It's almost like if I'm not doing things differently than I did them before, the re- results will be the same. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, I used to joke and say, you know, there was this same song, second verse syndrome, which is I got myself in a bad situation. It didn't turn out well. And, and you know, Jonathan, you mentioned about I'm evaluating now. How did I get here? Right. Well, if there's not something different I'm going to do, guess what? I'm going to end up at the second song, verse of the same song. Oh, man. And I'm like, why is this happening again? Yeah. And it's because I haven't changed how I'm doing things. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you can often see this in relationships and with people. Like, I'll get around a missionary who has had MAs come and work with them. Mm-hmm. And every time it ends the same. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and so I'm like looking at him going, so this is now your fourth MA. And it's the same finish each time. Is it you or is it, do we have four bad MAs? At what point yeah. do you say, we're going to sing the fifth verse of that song? Right, <laughs> or Bob. do we say, boy, I wonder if I changed, mm-hmm. if things wouldn't end a little bit better or differently. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's looking at life circumstances that end the same over and over and over and over again, where we're self-aware. Mm-hmm. I'm aware now that I've messed up four times with four people 
in a same situation, what action am I going to take to change that? And then it falls into the accountability level where maybe what needs to happen is I've messed up relationally with this MA and I need to now apologize to right. them right. Yeah. for bad behavior as a wow. leader. Right. Ouch. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, that's that's humility is when you're put down. It's yeah. not self-abasing. Right. It is where you're lowering yourself saying, I, I was wrong and I asked for your yeah. forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I want to touch on as well, because I think this is a component that exists for all of us, whether or not you consider yourself a natural leader or whether you hold a position of leadership. Sometimes in our fields, we're being looked at by national church members, our host churches, we're automatically, because of belonging to the organization which we do and being having the title of missionaries, we're automatically assigned a certain level of leadership expectancy. Yes, yes. that's a good word. Yes. Yeah. And so culturally, even, how do we, how do we frame this and, and look at it? Because I think a lot of the things that we've talked about apply across the board, no matter any culture, but even going back to the apologizing and being willing to apologize or admit failures, how important is that in some of the cultures in which we serve? In Japan, it's it's huge. I mean, you can always you can see if someone you know in a high position of power messes up, makes a mistake, you're going to see them on national television doing the deepest bow that you have ever seen in your life, yes. and it will last and last and last. You know, because culturally, it's a requisite that's that's there that speaks of humility. So culturally, how how did that play out for you in Indonesia, and and did you? consider the cultural uh, ramifications of, of those things. Well, you know, as, as things came up, and by the way, I love this, you know, leadership expectancy. So we, we, I even kind of mentioned, it, it's like you come in and all of a sudden you're put into a, up on a pedestal of, you know, pedestal in some ways. And so then as you navigate culture and it's different mm-hmm. and you kind of blow it, you're like, sometimes our fallback is, well, the culture's dumb. That's dumb. <laughs> I don't need to apologize because that's just, it's just so, it's yeah. just right. not American. And yeah. right. sometimes we think to ourselves, well, the American way is the right way and I'm tolerating the other way. Mm. There's no right and wrong when it comes to some of these ways. Now, right. there are some rights and wrongs in culture, obviously, that you know have biblical ramifications. But at the same time, if it's a stylistic thing, this is where we're apologizing for something that even inside of us is like there's turmoil. Yeah. And this mm. is where the humility comes in, mm-hmm. where it's like, no, I've got to somehow, you know, put on Indonesian flesh or Japanese flesh or Vanuatu flesh or, you know, Jesus put on human flesh. So we're now putting on the flesh of the people who we're leading, but this is going to require a breaking in some ways. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and that's where, if we're going to be great leaders, we're put on this pedestal, but their, their expectations are that we'll be like them. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> now, we don't always need to be like them, because there are some things that no. shouldn't be. Right, right. But at the same time, if it's stylistic things, no. We are, we are now, you know, kind of towing the line of how, you know, leadership works in that, uh, in that country there. Yeah, man, that's, that's so true, and I think it's a balance, yeah. taking on parts of, of the other culture yeah. and maintaining who you are, because I think sometimes we can come into another culture and pretend that we are that culture 
but deep down you can't change where you were born and and right. you know there there are some right. there are some changes that happen i think over a long period of time that are natural but you can't force yourself to be a culture that you weren't but what that you what, didn't start I, out what as. i would say here though is if we look at the example of christ and and by the way if you could read read as much as you can on like the leadership lessons of jesus and how jesus was a leader and how he led so he was this missionary because he was from a different culture, the culture of heaven. Now he's on earth. And he flew in the face of the Pharisees and some of the leaders of the day. Yeah. And yet, the way he did it. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what we need to be studying is there was this godly manner in how he led. Mm-hmm. But what we do sometimes is we promote our Americanism. Sure. So in other words, it's kind of like we champion American leadership not Christ-like, godly leadership. Mm. And, and many of us as Americans, we get those things mixed up in our head. Americans do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I could go on and on on this very subject alone, but mm. boy, Americans, are, their patriotism is so big that sometimes it is almost bigger than their, uh, you know, than their, their citizenship in the U.S. is more important than their citizenship in heaven. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. Jesus' culture is it supersedes our host culture and our American culture, and our American culture and Jesus' culture are not the same. Mm. So that's where you got to study the leadership lessons of Jesus and drill down on that. And by the way, Jesus was Eastern, not Western. Right. And and right. that's another whole thing we got to could be for a whole other podcast. Maybe. Right. <laughs> Sam, how's that looked for you on Tana, the cultural thing? And because I know that the, the title of missionary for you was a pretty esteemed position. And so whether you felt like you had your feet under you, all, all of a sudden being on an island, you were definitely thrust into a leadership expectancy role. It was expected of you to kind of be be that role. So how's that played out culturally for you? Well, I think it's been very interesting. Now, I got to admit, when you first asked me that question, how does it look for you? I was still stuck on Jeff's statement of Jesus was Eastern. I was I was going to say something ridiculous, like, so Jesus used chopsticks when he ate his ramen, right? But... Uh, <laughs> But yes, back to back to your question. It was definitely really interesting because we came in right away and immediately were placed on this pedestal. I mean, brought in and set at the front table, given special food, separate dishes from everybody else, and immediately put in this position of authority. And it would be very easy to just kind of slip into that role and wear that hat and allow that to happen. And at the same time, there was a cultural responsibility that I found because I couldn't reject it in the sense that I didn't want to offend someone who was who was honoring me. But there was a little bit of a filling out process, I noticed, especially as we started integrating into our village family and living with the family. And that filling out process was, what face, what uh, persona are they going to carry forward? Are they going to you know, be one of us? and uh, be a part of the family and allow themselves to, to lower to that standard, for lack of a better word. And, and I'm just saying lower to that standard because they had already elevated us to a different standard. And when we really started building those relationships, like Jeff is talking about, you know, the foundation of leadership is relationships. Without relationships, you're just going to be taking a walk and no one's really going to be following you. Right. Right. When we really started building those relationships, 
that's when we were sitting on the ground around the fire and we were eating the kumala, the sweet potato. We were sitting around the fire in the dirt uh, using silverware that was picked up off the ground or no silverware. And, you know, and that was just that's that's when we that's when my influence really grew. Otherwise, it was just surface influence. And what I mean by that is here you have to be very careful about an altar call. I could get up front and I could say, hey, I want everyone to, uh, who feels convicted to come forward. And there might be a pause, but then just about everyone's going to come forward because they don't want to shame me. They don't want me to 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 be put in a position where, look, the man of leadership, he just asked for everyone to or, or people to come forward and no one's coming forward. Mm. So it's a very interesting balance. And and I haven't figured it out, out completely yet. I've got a long ways to go, but I know that uh, sure. not buying into your own hype, uh, I think is what you said earlier, Jonathan, is really, really important. Uh, and just being a part yeah. of uh, of the family and developing those relationships along the way has been the key for Open Doors for us. And I, and I think as you were saying that, Sam, you know, this is really what we're talking about in this area of self-aware and, you know, the accountable, humble part, because anybody who comes in and says, I got this and I know everything yeah. <laughs> is kind of scary. S- scary, right? You know, and so... I think the humble approach sometimes is allowing for some of their pomp and circumstance and honoring of you as a guest. Right. Rejecting right. that would be would be I don't think would be what Jesus would do. Exactly. Now, yeah. I used to say that, you know, when I was at their things, I allowed them to do things their way. Mm-hmm. But then I started to create almost I don't want to say a secondary culture, but Yes, you know, as yeah. I was church planting, I, I didn't have to really do it exactly. I didn't disrespect things, but but now, no, actually, I'm in charge here, and we're not going to do it the Indonesian way or the American way. I think the Bible says this. Let's do it this way. Yeah. You know, and I and I think that that's when you get this opportunity to um to lead in such a way like that. Right. But it but it's always Boy, you know, the, the honor culture and, and some of those things are really important. But, you know, Sam, you're saying about sitting around the fire right, and right. kind of hanging out. And you, you look for those moments where, um, you know, you can spread that, that influence. Because, again, leadership is influence. And if you don't say, well, I'm not going along with that my first day here, boy, I'll tell you what, you've reduced your opportunity to influence right. a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Right yeah. from the start. You right. alienate yourself. Absolutely. And what it sounds to me like what you're talking about, Jeff, is what you you encourage us to study the leadership lessons of Christ. So that culture, that second culture you're talking about is really just developing a Christ leadership culture. Yeah. What would Jesus do? You know, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. kind of a, a, you know, we all know what that means and people wear bracelets and different things like that. But in our setting, even saying that, meaning how would he lead, you know, the whole John 13, where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples, mm-hmm. you know, is this so, it was so counterculture, mm-hmm. and yet it was this incredible moment. Now, one of the things I like to tell people is Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, but not every day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <You> right. <know>? So, <laughs> right. But, but we got to be... Think, do you think he said, hey, guys, just so you know, this is a one-time thing, like... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Peter goes. Well, Peter goes. Wash my whole body, and Jesus Peter's is like, like "Whoa, back Peter, <laughs> chill, back man, yet. step back." So, so you know, but but where I don't think he gave us that. Cl- the truth is this: he did it. 
Right, right. It was an act of servanthood. Right. It was an act of humility, and it was done to make a point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but what are the moments where we can show humility to other leaders? So let me, let me if I got time, let me just, I'll share a quick example. Yeah. Um, when I first became field coordinator in Indonesia, there was a ton of tension between the host church and the missionary body. Mm. And it built up over time. A lot of things had happened. And so I was asked to come to their, I guess it's similar to like our general presbytery meeting. All superintendents were there, all the department leaders and all these different things like that. So yeah. I preached on John 13, and I washed the feet of the general superintendent. Wow. It broke the room. Really? Wow. I want to say, and, and I know maybe some of my friends in Indonesia are, are listening to this, so, and, and things were improving at the time, so I don't want to say that it changed everything, but I, I, I would say that it, it set us on a course of far better relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, he was so blown away. He was speechless. And so... When it was all done, the next day, he called me out and had me come forward, and he washed my feet. Wow. And it was okay that it was the next day. Yeah. He needed to let this settle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and what a beautiful relationship I had with this man for all the years that I was field coordinator. When I took the mobilization job, he was one of the first people I went to go see, and we sat down with him and his wife at dinner, uh, a lunch. Mm-hmm. and. I sat there and I cried. He cried. We cried that I was leaving Indonesia. I mean, you're gonna, you can develop those things, but I didn't wash his feet every day. Right. But it was this moment where it needed to happen. Right, right. And so you need foot washing moments in leadership and you need to have a servant's heart. But what that looks like, you got it. This is where, man, it just takes perception and yeah. you get a depth of understanding. That's so good. And don't you look back at those moments and, in the moment, you probably dealt with fear, right? Because in the moment, you're thinking, this is kind of a big, like, I'm about to do something that is going to bring the room to a halt. And so, but now you look back and it's easy to go, well, clearly that was a, a Holy Spirit, yeah. like, inspired moment that I thought at the, maybe at the time that that was Jeff's idea, but clearly looking back, it was, it was God. Well, no names needing to be mentioned Part of the fear was that people, some of my missionary colleagues knew what I was going to do and were against it. Mm. And by the way, I have love, respect, and friendship still with these people. Right. But there was a moment where it was like, if anything, they should be washing our feet. Like, you know, that was the the discussion in the room when I told, said what I was going to do. So... Um, yes, there was fear and there was like, man, should I really do this or not? But, you know, it worked out. Not everything I've done as a leader has worked out. So I, I just want to mm-hmm. let you know that there are times where you think you're doing the right thing and boy, it it can backfire on you at times. Sure. Yeah. I, w- I, I want to bring something out because I, I think we've we've talked a lot about humility, but in the context of of what you just said, the dynamic between missionaries, when you first come to the field, if you have those leadership qualities inherently, like you come, maybe you've held a position of leadership before and those, those qualities are existing. So when you come to the field, there's an element of starting over relationally Mm -hmm. because you're starting new with the people in in your host church, but you're also starting 
with missionaries that don't know you, don't know your background, don't recognize your status or your ability to lead or any of those things. They're having to learn all of that. And there's a wide age bracket, so to speak, that you're that you're interacting with. And how much of being a leader and, and being a missionary, because I came in with the attitude that I need to ask questions more than answer them in my mm-hmm. first term, because there is a, a, an element of, of sort of gaining the respect of, of the people that we're going to be working with. Well, I'll say two things. You know, one is that I, I did talk about this in the AGWM team article on Meaningful Relationships. I think it was the one I talked about. I can't remember, but yeah. I do remember writing about the idea that what kind of shocked me when I came to the field as I started entering in these relationships with my fellow missionaries was I jokingly said, the only thing I had in common with them were the 16 fundamental truths, you know? <laughs> so like value-wise... At least we hope. Yeah, no, that was all there. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, but what I meant was, you know, we came from different church backgrounds. We came from different American cultural backgrounds. Right. We came from different, just so many different perspectives. And we assumed we'd get along because we were all AGWM. Sure. And that wasn't necessarily the case. So, you know, the, this, the, the second thing I'm going to say is it leads me then to my final developed. So we talked about study developed, self-developed. And the third developed is peer developed. Mm. So leadership is peer developed. And I, I want to say that you've got to find the kindred spirits that are on your, on your team. Yeah. yeah. On your, your, your overall field, we'll call it. Right. Um, it doesn't mean you're not friends with everybody and you don't love and respect everybody. But there are certain people that you just connect with. Yeah. Right. right. And, and leadership is peer developed when we are in relationship with someone else who is striving for us to become better too. Yes. You know, yes. it's kind of like you talked about accountability and it's being in this accountable relationship, not just for issues of purity, but also for, hey, I noticed this thing, you know, where if you did that better, you know, or right. you blew it there, right. or, you know, you shouldn't have probably said that, you right. know, yeah. um, did you think that through? You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, and do we give people those rights? Mm. And sometimes when it comes to peer developed, sometimes it's very difficult to give and receive. And what I like about peer developed is kind of like, you know, Sam, you and Jonathan, what you guys are doing is, you know, here you're here in Japan, Sam, you're in Vanuatu, you have mm-hmm. different area directors, you know, right. you've got different leadership, different settings. You can be peer developed because you're both yeah. AGWM, point of general. Yeah. So you kind of find some people that will be friends, but will help you develop on a peer level, not right. a mentor right. level. Right. So peer developed leadership, I'm thankful for people I had around me that I considered friends right. that were helping me develop my leadership. Right. And I remember my weekly phone call with Dave Kenny. We talked weekly about our churches, about things going on. Well, anytime That's I had awesome. a big challenge, I had to phone a friend. And, and this is a big deal, too, is if you're about to make a major relational decision, ministry decision, or family decision, or something, if you don't have a few people to call yeah. and say, these are the circumstances that I'm facing. Give me some advice. If you don't have those people, you are not going to develop on this peer level of leadership. 
Because hmm. you're about to make a big decision in a relational thing that's going on in your ministry, and right. you've got hesitation in your spirit, like, I'm not sure I'm doing the right thing here. Man, you better have some peers around you that don't tell you what to do, but will say, if it was me, this is what I would do. Hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, it's funny, when I'd call Dave, and of course, a lot of times I had these big issues going on, and one thing I never did with Dave was say, well, here's what's going on, and here's what I think I'm going to do, and here's what... I would just give him the circumstances and say, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Mm. And what bugged me is he would often want to do something different than what I wanted to do, you know? I wish I could, I wish I could tell you that my peers always fell in line with what I wanted to right, do. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, but this was the great thing about peer developed was now in my face was somebody who loved me and who cared for me mm. and was telling me to do something different than what I thought was the right thing to do. Boy, yeah. those are challenging times. But man, you talk about leadership development, that's like crunch time. Right. Yeah. And I think recognizing that someone has context that you don't is important. Yep. Because when we came in to the mission field, regardless of my ministry experience, I had never served in a mission field before. Right. And so even if I was gifted in an area that a peer wasn't, they all had context that I didn't possess yet. Right, right. You know, even if you walk into a room and you disagree fundamentally with someone about ministry, there is something that they possess that you can learn from. Right. And That's so, right. so coming yeah. in with a, a teachable spirit, so important. It, not only do you learn quicker and, and grow past those mistakes that you would have made if you didn't have that knowledge that they've given you, but you also make a friend and gain respect in the process. You know, one of the things I wrote here under peer developed as well is, you know, one of the questions that I would ask is, what leaders are you looking at saying, I want to be like them? Mm -hmm. And it's not why I would love to be regional director someday. (laughs) I'd love to have that position. So it's not... A, a, I, or, you know, I want to be like a field coordinator. Or I want to, it's not a position that they hold in leadership. But if you were to ask me, you know, as you looked, Jeff, at mentors and people, leaders that were leading you and close to you, and as you were not so much a peer, but in some ways on the same, a similar, you know, track with them, I could look back and tell you the character traits that I admired in leaders that I wanted to emulate, mm-hmm. not positions, not, not even things they did, but character traits that amazed me. And I said, boy, someday as I grow in leadership and in ministry, yeah. Yeah. I want to be like that. Yeah. You know, my, one of my first missionary mentor was a guy named Morris Devon. And um, Morris and I were different in a lot of ways. But Jonathan, I, was, I appreciated what you said. You know, I came in with it. I wanted to be teachable. Right. I, I did. I realized. I mean, this guy. He was uh, here during the early, early days of the formation of the whole country. Grew up in the country, served there his whole life, and so I was asking a lot of questions and learning so much from him. But one of the character traits I learned from him was, you know, he would. He had this incredible way of looking at people objectively, hmm. even if they had hurt him or done some bad things. He was able to see the good in people that I'm like listening to him talk about somebody. And when the door closed, I'd be like, 
Morris, how do you do that? You know, like, no, that guy is like a turkey in some ways, you know? And yet he could see, yeah, he's got some turkey traits. Yeah. But he also has these two or three good traits that I am able to overlook some of the silly, dumb things he's done Mm -hmm. and see some of these positive things and choose then to highlight those things and choose to say, he or she would be good in that position because it actually matches the things that they're good at and not the right. things that they're bad at. Yeah. Right. So so basically in the situ- one situation I remember it just blew my mind was we had this academic dean at the Bible school and he was a horrible academic dean. And yet all of a sudden one of the bigger churches in the district came open and they wanted to put him in there and they eventually went in there and it was a great fit, but part of it was because my mentor said, here's his good traits that lined up perfectly with him going in that direction instead of... So, you know, he was just this... Looked at people objectively in a way, and I'm like, man, mm. I need to do that mm-hmm. and see the good traits inside of people. But this is somebody that I looked at as a leader and said, I want to be like that someday. That's cool. And I, and I, I watched how people led families for good fathers, good husbands. Yeah. Uh, good field coordinators, and good, you know, even when I came into the job of regional director, and of course, Bob Houlihan was my first regional director, and then Russ Turney was my regional director for many years, I said, I want to be the best of Russ and the best of Bob Houlihan. Yeah, that's cool. So peer developed is looking at leaders and saying, I want to be like them. That's awesome. I'm really just soaking this in today and really enjoying this because I think sometimes people come into leadership podcasts or leadership teaching and they're just expecting like this more of a management course or something like that. But if if we really soak in what what points you've touched on, we're talking about becoming a better father. We're talking about becoming a better husband. We're talking about becoming a better spiritual leader. We're talking about becoming better a better person. And I love this last point right. about being able to look at these other leaders. And then even even if they're people that you don't necessarily agree with how they run certain things, they've got some things that are incredible that they're doing and being able to pick those things That's and right. say, I want to mimic that. I want to be more like that. I want to, I want to, I want to affirm people better the way that this person does. Or I want to be able to to make mm-hmm. people feel like their stuff really matters just like this person does. Every time they sit down I f- and, and talk to me, I feel like they're listening to me. You know, whatever those things are, uh, to be able to pick and choose, I think, I think that's actually pretty liberating to, to think of it that way. Yeah. All of these things that you've talked about today, to me, I see it's a muscle that has to be developed. Yeah, that's right. There is something internally in us that touches uh, every one of these areas that it doesn't necessarily come naturally. And right. so much of what we do is just being intentional yeah, with yeah, what yeah. muscle we are trying to exercise and grow internally within ourselves. And so I would just challenge the guys for this month, and and we're, I want to get a, some book recommendations from you, but yes. let's uh, take these points, and I encourage you to listen to this podcast even more than once. Yeah, This month, yeah. let's just be intentional with exercising the muscle of leadership and take each one of these things that Jeff has laid out, because I think they were excellent, now put them into your context, your field, your gifts yeah. and talents, your weaknesses and strengths, and say, what are, what are the weaknesses in these areas that I can really intentionally focus on this month to, to take 
practical steps to make better. Well, I'm going to email you the, the, the notes, the PDF of the Yeah, notes, we'll send these out in the can, email. Can get them. It's a pretty simple outline. And really, you know, just for the men listening to the podcast, I realize I, I probably haven't shared anything that was so <laughs> incredibly, you know, mind blowing, but you know, it's just good to review these things and talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe for our listeners, just one thing probably, yeah, I used to say if when people heard me speak or preach in my church, if people walked away with one thought that stuck with them all week long, it was yeah. an enormous yeah. success. So, sure. so, you know, if you men are listening and there's just one thing that just kind of hit you, I'm glad. And, uh, you know, thanks, you know, to all the listeners for joining. Uh, you know, I'm currently just about finished with John Maxwell's newest leadership book called Leader Shift. And it's really, you know, the interesting thing about Maxwell is he's reviewing a lot of stuff that he's gone over during the years. It was a great review for me because I've read most of his stuff. Right. And, you know, hit with some uh, newer things. When I first came in the regional office, the book I read that really helped me was Bigger, Faster Leadership by Samuel Chand, C-H-A-N-D. And it is a recounting of the building of the Panama Canal. And the French who built the Suez Canal tried to go to Panama and repeat that, and it was an utter failure. <laughs> and then the guy that came in and successfully completed the Panama Canal, and it's all about leadership and the different kinds of things he needed to do. Literally hundreds of men died, and people lost their life savings with through the French contractor. So it is uh-huh. an amazing uh-huh. uh, book uh, that I highly recommend to uh, everybody. And if you, it's about building and bulldozers and all kinds of stuff. So for men, it's a, a really cool read too. Yeah. It's got history in it, <laughs> which to me, I'm kind of a history buff. So um, That's awesome. Bigger, Faster Leadership uh, by Samuel R. Chand. And the, the subline is Lessons from the Builders of the Panama Canal. That's cool. That's great. Jeff, you you mentioned, uh, you know, for all the men listening, and if there's any women that are just kind of listening in on the podcast just to see what the men are saying, it just Why needs are to you go listening? Let's hope not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, needs to go, it needs to go on record that we did say, you need to tell your wife you're sorry often. It just needs to be part of the yes. daily thing. Well, <laughs> we, did, um, we, we did go ahead and uh, we only emailed the men. So I didn't send it out to all AP personnel, only... Right. The men got the invite, but uh, sometimes maybe some wives have snuck in and needed to know what's going on. So, yeah, they, uh, yeah. they find sure. a way. Well, but if they get mad at us for talking about this, <laughs> then we'll say you shouldn't be listening anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are certainly grateful of yes. your awareness of how, how important this is. Because yeah. as, a, as a leader, I think you are certainly leading the way for us missionaries and setting the tone and mm-hmm. example uh, of leadership for our region. And I want to encourage you guys to pray for our leaders. Yeah. Yes. Pray for Jeff and for Liz yes. and we for our area directors. Yes. Because we are putting a tremendous amount of faith in them yeah. to be led by the Spirit, to be yeah. prayerfully led. And so yeah. please pray for the protection of their family and and that just God would continue to lead them in this next coming out of T19 that over the next season of ministry that's happening in Asia Pacific, that yeah. God would help to yeah. give them the wisdom they need and the leadership of the Holy Spirit 
uh, to take us into that next Amen. season. And so Sam and I are so grateful for, for you and for Liz and for our air directors. Yeah. Um, so grateful for your example that you've set for us. And uh, man, we're, I can't wait to have you back on the podcast because yeah, I think there's a, a lot of areas that we can we can sit down and discuss. But well, again, thank you to the both of you for for taking the leadership up on this. And um, behind you, you know, at the end of my um, time, I wanted to say that as you, the higher you go in leadership, the more you need to develop the leaders around you. And I want to let you know I consider you guys leaders and. I'm hoping this exercise helps you sharpen your own leadership skills. Absolutely. You know, we need a lot of leaders in Asia Pacific and leaders who have had their skills uh, sharpened. And so praying for everybody out there. And thank you for the prayers for Liz and I. We do appreciate it. We love you guys. God bless you. Guys, thanks for for listening. Sam, it's good to see your blurry face on Skype (laughs) once again, (laughs) as your connection is barely barely holding up. Yes. <laughs> and uh, well, until next time, yeah, Sam. Yep. Love you guys. Let's be legendary and let's stay committed. Talk to you next time. All right. Be legendary, guys. Bye.